Hey, hey, all you Arizona lovers, welcome back to the Finding Arizona podcast, episode number 345. I'm your host, Jose. As always, we bring in a very special guest, and today's no different. Ladies and gentlemen, I would love to introduce you to Angie, who is behind Hope for Kids International. We are very, very happy to have them. It was a wonderful conversation to have with Angie. She was an incredible, remarkable individual who's seen and done a lot of things in her life. So I always enjoyed speaking to these um, non-for-profits, and we hope that you always stay connected with every single non-for-profit that we have coming through our doors through the links that we share with you in the bio. So that means go to the bios, give them a click, help them by donating to them, whatever means that you can, that's always helpful. And as always, I want you to also go check out our website, FindingArizonaPodcast.com. There you'll catch every episode on top of which you'll also, in return, get other opportunities to check other things out. If you want to go check out the newsletter, it's a little bit more of the official side of things. But if you want to get a little bit more personal, there is a vlog, which is available on YouTube. There's also a blog available on our website, which is definitely all oriented and help uh, curated by my wife, Brittany, who is also a producer on the show and behind a lot of the things that we do here at the podcast. So that is all from me to you, on top of which there's other opportunities to go check us out on social media, everything under Finding Arizona Podcasts. So that being said, I want to say thank you again to Hope for Kids and also thank you to Angie and we will catch you on the next episode. Stay in touch with us and we will always return the love. Uh, and as always, we say kisses, hugs, and belly rubs to our four-legged friends. I'll catch you on the next episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Finding Arizona podcast. I'm your host, Jose. As always, we bring in very special guests every week, and today is no different. Ladies and gentlemen, I would love to introduce Angie here, who is the vice president of Hope for Kids International. For the last 40 years, they have been committed to serving children in impoverished environments around the world by establishing economic, spiritual, water, educational, and feeding programs. Please welcome Angie. Angie, hi. Hi, Jose. Thanks for having us. No problem. I'm very excited to get into this. There's a lot of important things going on in the world. And I think that what you guys have here is something very special. And I'd love to get into it. You are the vice president. I'd love to um, understand a little bit how you got into the mix of of this uh, hopes for hope for kids. And also, I just know from my own research, you're a North Texas girl. How'd you end up? Yes, in yes. Well, if you're familiar with uh, Papado Seafood Kitchen, my husband used to be a general manager there. And so we got transferred out here. And uh, as much as we love Texas, uh, we love Arizona. Thank love you. it. We've been out here like 20 years. <laughs> that's so good. I just, again, it's one of those things. It's like, I love hearing how people end up in this, in this state because it's, you know, it's, it's very much a melting pot. Uh, it is. All, you know, there's, there's a little bit of uh, the natives who live here, but there's definitely a mix of the people who come from out of state. And I'm very, I very much am hopeful that we're very open and still open to those who come in and very kind to those and and, and bring them into the environment here into the community here too. Um, let me ask you this. So this is not something, uh, that is an everyday, uh, you know, this is very much having to do with critical needs of mm -hmm. children and families. How did you end up here? How did you, how did, why is this it important started, to you? Uh, I went on my first mission trip to Peru in 2006, and it was the worst poverty that Hope for Kids International had ever seen. 
children and families uh, rummaging through uh, big trash heaps. They lived on um, big in big trash dumps, foraging for food. And it was devastating. You know, I had never seen anything like that before. Uh, I got home and it just wrecked me. And so um, on that trip, our founder, uh, Tom Egham, had asked me to join the team. And I said, don't say it if you don't mean it. And I literally started working the day I got home. And um, I just celebrated my 16th year with Hope for Kids in July. Awesome. Awesome. Kudos to you and congratulations, first off. And then secondly, I can't imagine, you know, being able, you know, what you did was um, you you experienced something and then you, you know, had to Mm -hmm. walk away. Like those things really do um, leave a, a, a residual scar or mark mm-hmm. on, on you in inside. And so was there any opportunity for you to go back or was there any opportunity for you to kind of stay connected? Oh, well, absolutely. And once you go on a mission trip and you're exposed to extreme poverty, like the countries that we serve at Hope for Kids, yeah. um, it makes you very reflective how you can make a difference yourself. And so it might be through monetary donations and might be serving on another mission trip. Yeah. Uh, really, it becomes so personal. Once you get to meet the people, mm-hmm. you see how their lives, how they're truly suffering. But you also get to see the tremendous impact that people are making. And that makes you think, like, how can I not respond? And so we always uh, sign up for at least a five-year commitment in the Mm -hmm. areas that we're serving. Um, Currently, we've got about uh, 10 international projects around the world, Uganda, Romania, the Philippines, uh, Namibia, Nepal, Mexico. um, And then we're embarking on a couple of other countries. And there are incredible people, ministry partners around the world that we're partnering with to make a tremendous um, life-changing generational impact in the children and families that they are also serving. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, I, I, again, I go back to nonprofit work is something that I can ultimately say it brings great value to every single person it affects. That's, you know, families, the people mm-hmm. working on the other yeah. side. Um, I am, I'm an advocate for it. I believe in it. I try my best to um, allow myself time to do it because that's definitely something that, you know, you do, I always say this, you know, I, you want the best of the best, the people mm-hmm. who are committed yeah. to the cause. And so I would right. allow myself that time to, you know, I don't want to be the person known as, oh, he's just doing it because he wants to promote it for his podcast. No, I right. really do yeah. want to just yeah. find something that I'm, you know, very much involved and loved, you know, about and, and be that part. But it's again, I, I totally believe that, you know, these kids, these families mm-hmm. are, oh, you know, we've had nonprofits come in and just tell mm-hmm. stories about that. And we just recently had one on just music alone um being a kind of foundational point mm-hmm. to bring joy to these kids yeah. in hard times have you seen that for yourself for you know those moments of um whether that's in the classroom or you know just having these gathering moments with these families and these groups have you seen that kind of like simplistic joy oh. out of these moments 
Absolutely. You know, as much as I'm here to tell you about the needs, especially evolving around the water crisis around the world, people that are truly suffering, women and children that are walking miles each way Mm -hmm. to a contaminated open pond Mm -hmm. that they share with animals. The animals, uh, you know, (laughs) defecate in there. The girls and the women, unfortunately, get violated and raped on the way. They're not, the children are not able to go to school because they are literally trekking for water. Sometimes it's a seasonal, you know, pit. Mm -hmm. And when that dries up during the dry season, they have to trek even greater distances. They're suffering. These kids have already lived a lifetime of suffering. They've lost one or both of their parents to HIV AIDS. Um, They've seen their siblings perish. They've suffered from waterborne diseases. They get knocked on the side of the road in accidents trekking for water. I mean, the list, I mean, I've been to Uganda nearly maybe even more 50 times. And still, I'm just blown away about um, not only the level of their suffering, but the resiliency and their joy, what you're Mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. When we come in after we drilled a well and we're opening the well for this entire village that, you know, thousands of people will be impacted. Thousands of people are going to be experiencing and having clean, safe water. And I get a chance, it's my favorite thing, is to bring in our teams, our sponsors, our partners who have drilled wells, have sacrificially given, they've learned about their village. Some people have never flown on a plane before, and they're like, I'm going to go meet the village that I helped bring clean water to. And here's this village, hundreds, Jose, hundreds of women and children and families, you know, waving these tree limbs and palm branches, mm-hmm. jubilating, ah, da, 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 welcoming, ushering us into this village. And, they, and they're and they so exuberant and joyful. They greet us with music and dance and um, joy and hugs. The most grateful people on the planet. Um, and they say, um, my joy must be greater than my sorrow. And so when you understand a little bit of the window of how they've been suffering, we'll take them to the original water source. Mm -hmm. So our team can see the actual water that they were drinking. Mm -hmm. I just got back from Uganda about a week and a half ago. We dedicated a few wells on this trip and you could see the salamanders and the frogs in the water that they were drinking before we opened this well. And they said, thank you. We don't have to drink frog urine anymore. And we're like, (laughs) what? Like, that's just not right. Mm -hmm. But then you get to see their joy. You get to see how you've turned and transformed an entire village forever. Mm -hmm. You've changed the trajectory. We teach them uh about hygiene and sanitation so you can imagine 
somebody that has never had clean, safe water. They said, we did not know the water was killing us. So you can imagine about these invisible things that kill you. So they don't even know about germs. So we bring lots of glitter with us. Yeah. So we put it on our hands and we're like, how are you? How are you? How are you? Shake all their hands. And you know how glitter is. It's all over their face. It's everywhere. Yeah. And you cannot get it off unless you use soap and water. Yeah. So we teach them um, to uh, about hygiene and sanitation. We teach them about taking care of their well to keep it open and, and fully functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much, so much goodness and impact comes from um, having clean, safe water to drink. Exactly. So I'll give you a little information about where I come from. Um, I grew up on the Hopi Reservation up north. Um, mm-hmm. And so water, I don't know if you've been surrounded or gone up there before, but we were mm-hmm. surrounded by the Navajo Nation, which in itself is a large reservation that spans four states. Um, and their water situation is becoming worse and worse mm-hmm. for some of the villagers and some of the people who live in more secluded areas. And as Arizona becomes a more um, mm-hmm. an increased populated state, now we mm-hmm. are Phoenix is part of Arizona and Phoenix has now become the fifth largest state in the US. What we started to also recognize as our tribe has become um more prevalent with education and research and all of these, we've started to realize that our water resources mm-hmm. are becoming contaminated. And mm-hmm. a couple of years back, they they stopped using a uh water uh a underground water uh, resource. Mm. And now that has become a, now water is now more mm-hmm. important than ever on our village, in mm-hmm. particular with the state too. And so as, I don't know if you know any of, or it could explain some of the water situations with these and how it kind of correlates with some of the international stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. what are some of the first kind of, what happens to to individuals when water becomes completely t- contaminated or in mm-hmm. the sense that like it becomes completely uh, mm. a resource that is limited? Mm. Well, just as I was mentioning, I mean, you know, and I hear about the water crisis on the um, on the tribal lands all the time. And I, I hope that there is somebody that has that has a larger scope who can figure out and provide clean water because everybody deserves to have clean, safe water to drink. Um, When we hear about those water issues, especially in Arizona, when water is so precious, it helps us become more reflective to people around the world um, that they'll never meet that are truly suffering. Um, The waterborne diseases um, is one of the top, top ways that people suffer. Another way that people suffer is dehydration, you know, from not drinking enough water. And, you know, you and I hear all the time on the news when somebody's hiking and they don't drink enough water and, and, and they get in jeopardy up there when they're hiking and so forth. So those are the two main, main issues. Yeah. But in these developing countries, especially in East Africa, where Uganda is ranked the number third in the world, for the lack of access to clean, safe water. 
Hmm. And they're actually ranked number one in the world for the qual- the poor quality of water that they have to drink because they only can drink the surface water that they share with animals and things like that. And so, you know, domestic violence. So if you're a woman and you've gone out for a few hours to trek for water mm-hmm. and they're trekking not to a hose or to a spigot, they're, they're traveling to just this contaminated pond. Sometimes there's such lack of water. They sit there with a cup and they sit down and they wait for their cup to fill up. Mm-hmm. Then they pour it in their jerry can, their water container, and they yeah. sit there all day. One one water source that we went to, children were sitting there with their cup and they were sharing their water source with the hive of bees. You know, it's like stuffy. I mean, like you can't make this stuff up. You know, yeah. it's just very horrific stories. Um, Uganda is also um, is uh, shares Lake Victoria, which is the largest lake in Africa. Yeah. Which um, you know they also get some of their water from there, but the but the villages around, they think the lake is too big to be contaminated, and there's also crocodiles in there. So all those little tributaries that go to some of those villages, I actually have two field officers that have lost a family member due to crocodile attacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're like, you know, it's just something that we can't even, we can't even think of. So yeah. um, it's just the, you know, the ways that people suffer, domestic violence is huge. So when the women are gone all day, they come back. They're, you know, the, the lunch isn't ready. The husbands think that they've stepped out on them and mm-hmm. they're subject to domestic violence. Yeah. So um, water, it, they say in um, Africa, which is true everywhere, water is life because it mm-hmm. affects every aspect of someone's life. Absolutely. I agree 100%. That is something that I, you know, and when you talk about um, the, the travel um the means to get to water and what we're willing to do you know it's again it's one of those um critical points that if we as americans don't you know understand like mm-hmm. this is this is it's a finite resource that yes it'll get replenished every so often but it's not replenishing 100% it's something that is is again it's affected by what we do in the environment, how we affect it, how we ourselves put mm-hmm. our put our you know our own toxins, our own um, you know we take away from the tributaries. All of that affects that amount that gets put back in. So I'm just worried, you know, particularly being a new father, you know, mm-hmm. as we as we further ourselves and we take our you know take more and more from the resources that we have. Mm-hmm. Like we have yes. to be vigilant because if we're not, this is something that could end up being the United States. It could end up being something that we have to suffer through or we have to, you know, wrap our heads around. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a global water crisis. And although, you know, we've got a lot of problems in the world, a mm-hmm. um, lot of problems here at home. Um, but there is a global water crisis. And, you know, when you can empathize with the families in the communities that you get to meet Mm -hmm. and you see your own family in that situation you see your own children your own mothers 
that are suffering unnecessarily. You know, the, the most ironic thing is in Uganda, there's a lot of water in the aquifers under yeah. the ground. It, not even in, you know, I mean, a few hundred feet below the surface. So there's a lot of water. And so you think, gosh, you know, these people are dying and suffering unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. But when you can spend as little as $10,000 to drill a well to impact not only that community, but Mm -hmm. the surrounding areas as well, you think like, you know, why, why, um, you know, I have to respond, you know, why wouldn't I? Um, because it's, 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 I just wish everybody could go on a mission trip. Um, and understand, like see it with their own two eyes. I think empathy is something that we all kind of, it triggers us in any Mm -hmm. sort of way. You just see it and you kind of, it, I hope most people would understand once you see it and you can visualize it, it's tangible it becomes real in the sense that in your mind, it's like, oh man, this is going to be forever burned into my head. These right. people, the people, you know, and, and the situation. So for me, I, you know, I, I was a young man or young boy when I first realized that water was this important. And so I've always been, you know, someone who realizes that the water that we drink, the water that we use, the water that we, you know, is important. I just want everyone else to understand, you know, there are already crises, fires in the world that we can help with. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, um, I would love to help our audience understand, you know, some of the first steps. Um, I know, you know, you can, there's these different programs, adopt a child, you know, help adopt a village, adopt a child. Can you break down some of those services and what you guys provide? Sure. You know, at Hope for Kids International, we've got different divisions within our organization and people can plug in where their passion is. You know, clean water, that's our first line of defense. That's like our triage. That's, you know, the ground up. We get started with clean water. Um, When we can equip a village with clean water, the children now have um, they're healthier Mm -hmm. and now they can go to school. And they have that time freed up. So the girls get to go to school, um, which is so important Um, in our child sponsorship program. We truly believe that education is a way out of extreme poverty. Once you can educate a child, uh, nobody could ever take that from them again. So we sponsor kids to go to school. We sponsor about 3000 orphaned and vulnerable children in our school uh, or uh, in our program to go to school around the world um, and all of our international projects. And we stay with this child for the for as long as they want to go to school. We've got kids who were orphans that have become medical doctors serving in our own medical clinics. Wow. We've got kids that have become attorneys. And I mean, you know, the, I guess one of the thing is, you know, I want to leave our audience with this. Yes, these people are suffering, but the amount of hope that they have and they're resilient, they're funny, they're smart, you know, they're hopeful. They, they want to make a difference themselves. Mm-hmm. So when you can sponsor a child and have them go to school, uh, you've changed the life of that child. And now you've, ch- you've changed 
the life of their children because now they understand the importance of going to school and they've had that golden opportunity. Absolutely. We've got uh, projects. You know, one of the things that separates Hope for Kids International from some other organizations is that we are a registered non-government organization in Uganda, which mm-hmm. means we're like a registered charity in Uganda. Mm-hmm. We have our own team. We have a staff of about 94 people wow. that oversee all of our all of our Water for Kids International projects, all of our sponsored kids. We sponsor about 3,000 kids, yeah. about uh, 2,500 in Uganda. We, we um, build and administrate schools primary schools, secondary schools, uh, vocational schools. And so people can make a difference um, coming in, in on a mission trip, serving at one of these areas, you know, one of our schools. And then we also um, do these awesome uh, medical outreaches around the world. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of them in Uganda. Um, and then also around the world, we just had um, a, one of our doctors that travels with us frequency, uh, frequently, uh, we j- they just came back from the Philippines and she was able to identify a child that had tuberculosis and they quickly took him to the hospital to get treated. But she said that would have wiped out the entire village. Yep. yep. So, you know, it's just like, wow, these important things. We ship um, uh, some mana packs in Arizona. We're uh, Hope for Kids International. We are the only beneficiary of Feed My Starving Children, which is another they're also based here. Um, one yeah. of their uh, centers is here in Arizona. And so we ship their mana packs, about a million mils uh, a year to our uh-huh. international locations, highly nutritious food that the kids eat, that if that's their only meal a day, that they're not just going to survive, but they're going to mm-hmm. thrive. And so uh, our partners can come alongside us, help us ship ship the meals over there, serve the meals to the kids. You know, um, for all of us that have done those packing events um, at Feed My Starving Children, they often wonder, well, where does the food go? Well, you can travel with Hope for Kids and get to meet the children that receive that um, life-changing food. Yeah. Um, again, wonderful programs, wonderful people. Uh, great intentions great you know uh business ethics um let me ask you this because i I have a few more questions in my head about just kind of the program itself and how how did you meet tom well tom was my trip leader in peru yeah and so you know you kind of wonder sometimes, I don't know, I think a lot of people are naturally skeptics, especially in today's world. And you go, is this really legitimate or, you know, Yeah. Exactly. and uh, Tom's an awesome, awesome guy. Um, he got started smuggling Bibles um, into the Soviet Union. I read. On his like, <laughs> yeah, on his like eighth or ninth uh, attempt, he, he um, got stopped by the KGB, got thrown in jail, stripped search they they took away his visa for mm-hmm. five years got thrown out of russia and um and then instead of sitting by the sidelines he started smuggling aid and materials into communist china and vietnam and in other countries and that's kind of how like hope for kids got our start but i remember in peru 
um, we ate at this restaurant and they made a spaghetti and mm -hmm. somebody put in too much salt or, I mean, I mean, un, like, like a gallon of salt, like you couldn't even eat it. It was wow. just like, whoa, it was so intense. And, but here you have all these meals, you know, and our team was not eating the meals and there. And so instead of throwing out all that food, Tom said, let's pack it up and go serve it to the homeless, you know, outside Mm -hmm. in in outside of that restaurant in that area yeah. um, in Cusco and I just remember going you know Tom is the real deal yeah. you know it's not a, a show this is you know I know he's truly sacrificed over the years over decades mm -hmm. next year we are actually celebrating his 50 years in wow. ministry 50 years wow and so um I know typically people in ministry are only around 10 or 15 years and through the decades, he has stuck with it, impacted literally millions of people around the world, not yeah. only on the, the people that we're serving, but all the team members uh, that travel with this. I know our Hope for Kids staff, um, he's impacted a wide uh, uh, array of people. I truly believe it myself, because just having your, again, you want the people that you know, who want to be a part of the, the mission. And when you have the people that are part of the mission, the people who care most and who are with you, they're backing you, you can feel the passion come off of not only the owner, but the, the workers, the people working alongside. And so I've always felt like if I can get this much emphasis, this mm -hmm. much joy, this much um, passion uh, from the vice president. I can only imagine what the CEO <laughs> is, is, is like. And so I want to say, you know, kudos again to you, Angie, for, you know, mo multiple years of doing this, because I understand the emotional connection to something as, as, as this, this is definitely one of those strong things that when you experience it, you take it on yourself, you know, some mm -hmm. of the family ties and some of mm -hmm. the, the connections that you, I would love to understand, A, it's like, how do you maintain those connections, whether that's through mm. writing or through, you know, whatever calls, whatever you do to keep those connections still thriving. And then B, how do you disconnect yourself or allow, mm -hmm. not disconnect it, but balance your you know, mental capacity to not let the torment, not let the bad or the negativity mm. steer you off for like a normal week? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Well, we're so grateful for the most incredible partners, donors, um, connected to Hope for Kids. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our greatest supporters are the people that have traveled with us awesome. on, on our international mission trips because they've seen it. Yeah. It's personal to them. They know the people that they're helping. They've seen Hope for Kids International on the field, and they know that we're, you know, great stewards of, of our finances. I think we got a hundred percent on Charity Navigator under accountability and transparency nice. that we're very that we're very proud of. Um, you know, it's we have to stay in touch. Uh, we were just talking about this the other day, you know, um, everything is happening through natural relationships. Our donors and supporters truly become our friends and yeah. our family because we have people that travel with us several times a year. 
to, mm-hmm. on our these trips. Yeah. And I'm one of the team leaders, uh, along with some of our other program directors. And we get to know them, their families. Um, we do life together. And that includes the the up, you know, the ups and the downs um, throughout life. And so it is it's texts and phone calls and writing and okay. trips and uh, you know, just visiting uh, Orange County, we had this huge walk for water. We raised money for nearly nice. four wells, but it's out. We're out there and we're celebrating and doing this together with our friends. And I'm mm-hmm. so fortunate. I'm so blessed that I get to do ministry. I get to do uh, what I do um, with a bunch of people that are have like minded, like hearted, um, just the most awesome people um, that really, really care. I love that. You are so fantastic. I just, I I give you all the, the positive vibes today, because this is something that again, again, it's like you, you see the worst in the world and you also see some of the best in the world. And I, I can only imagine just like what your mind kind of like it jumps to on certain occasions like you could just be down uh, shopping groceries and like a piece of fruit kind of just makes you think about the most horrific thing in the world and it's like I I just want to help by saying it's like you are making such a big difference there are people out here who want to give you the support like myself by giving you a voice but also there are people like my audience who want to um, help you guys achieve, help you guys bring those goals or something to life. So that being said, uh, my mm-hmm. usual typical last question is, is give us a little bit of um, goal setting for you and the, and, and um, uh, hope for kids international, what they're, what they're maybe for the end of the year, or if there's something that you guys are trying to uh, project for, for, you know, the upcoming future or the next quarter, help our audience make your dreams or your goals come to life. Thanks, Jose. Well, it's not just me. I have an incredible team that I work beside that are just as passionate and working just as diligently as I am in child sponsorship and projects and finance. I mean, in teams, I mean, we've got just the most incredible team here in in Arizona, as well as abroad in Uganda and our ministry partners. And that's what makes it so amazing is because we're doing this because we're passionate and we care. And I'm just so grateful because it it just can't all fall on one person. Mm -hmm. And because we have that team, we can lean on each other, um, especially during the challenging times. You know, you haven't uh, been in ministry long enough until you've been like heartbroken or, you know, something, you know, happens. Um, But our, uh, you know, our incredible team, in Uganda, they they are the tip of the spear. They make it all happen. Mm-hmm. They they are just. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what. Um, I just came back from Uganda with yeah. a gentleman who's eighty years old. He's he he started his own company. He was in the business of delivering water in the southwest of the United States for fifty seven years. What? He sat he sat with three U.S. presidents. They invited him uh, to run for governor. This guy is like really affluent and just runs in the most amazing circles. And he said, yeah. Angie, these people in Uganda, I've never met a re- more remarkable people than the people of Uganda. Awesome. And that is just kind of, you know, kind of kind of sums it up there. Um, 
we um, are just for our goals. Uh, Jose, we over the last 16 years, we've been able to drill so far 936 mm-hmm. wells around the world. Uh, about 95% of those are in Uganda. We've drilled other wells in like India, Liberia, Bangladesh, Philippines, Kenya, Nepal. And I am excited to drill our 1000th well. You know, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully it will be by the end of the year. If not, um, it'll be in the first quarter next year. So that is a personal goal of mine. Um, And and so, and we've got other goals. Um, You know, we're partnering with uh, JaVale McGee, you know, who used to be the center for um, (laughs) I was going to ask that. I wasn't sure. I was just like, I saw the news. I know. I I saw the news and I didn't want to bring it up. I was like, oh, I I want to ask and I don't want to (laughs) ask. I know. Well, you know, he, he got traded to the Mavs, which is like yeah. my other team because I'm from Dallas, yeah. uh, but uh, JaVale's traveled with me three times to Uganda and he is a super guy. I mean, really, I'm really? a fan of his. I didn't his. know you awesome. traveled with you to Uganda. That's oh, awesome. Oh yeah. Three times um, with his foundation, Jug Life and, yeah. and with Kez Reed. And because of their heart for these kids in, in Uganda, they are embarking on, um, we're build, they're building a, a big premier sports complex with hope for kids international at our main campus it's got like this awesome basketball court that's going to have locker rooms i mean it is it's they're they just Mm -hmm. finished putting on the roof this week it's awesome so i know he's going to be back to to celebrate that with us so we've got projects in different villages uh finishing up one of our secondary schools which is a whole high school on our campus um we're embarking on doing the water sanitation uh infrastructure for a couple of schools right now. I mean, we've got lots of, lots of things in the hopper and, mm-hmm. um, I wish there was like 36 hours in a day. Cause <laughs> you want to get as much in as possible. I, totally I know. Understand. And it's so fun. You know, you get exactly. to do this with your friends around the world. So keeps exactly. us busy. I love that. And that's, again, one of those, I, I just, I come across nonprofits of all sorts, shapes, sizes, um, and we try our best to really show how much passion, um, joy, uh, you know, empathy goes into every single one of these because, again, it's a nonprofit. At the end of the day, you're really kind of asking for help from others. Yeah. And so that, you know, that's the most vulnerable state a lot of humans can be in is asking Mm -hmm. for help. And so that is something not easy. I understand. And I, I, I've been there. I have definitely been on the other side, uh, doing nonprofit work and, you know, I, I empathize for you and I just want to give my best, you know, for you guys, because I know how much these kids love it. I know uh, I'll give you a little bit of tidbit. I, I'm a landscape designer. Uh, oh, during, awesome! <laughs> during the day, that's my, kind of my day I job. I love that. And in college, we, um, we, you know, for grad school, we had to do an international studies group, and so oh, there was cool. one group that went to Kenya to help build oh. a, a, a treatment center, uh, like a hospital sort of thing, and that was fun for them. Every single kid or student who went there really was life changed. I unfortunately went. The other route, I went more of like uh, metropolitan, like we went to London and I was oh, learning nice. about cool. history and how architecture kind of forms through history. But the one thing that I did take away was that the kids from the international group were, again, 
really um, moved and a lot of their mm. designs were based in that community, based around the, you know, what they've learned. And, and it just was, again, like you said, they were truly moved by just some of the mm-hmm. people and, and the impacts that they've been through and their resilience. So I have no doubt that you've been life changed. I have no doubt that uh, Hope for Kids International has a lot of good things coming down the down in the future. And all I want is just for you to let everyone know now, because we pitch it off to you at the end, um, to let everyone know where they can find you online, any events promotional wise that you have coming up, uh, email address, uh, all of that good stuff to help uh, let everyone know where they can find you online and in person. So go right ahead. Great. Thanks, Jose. Well, if you'd like to join us online, you can go to our website, H, the number four, K, I.org for Hope for Kids International. We've got an awesome walk for water coming up on Saturday, November 12th. I think you can find, if you go to our main website there, you can find the information and click on to register. We are walking in honor of the uh, children and women who have to walk for water each day. And so we're having hosting this event in Anthem. Uh, we'll be walking, uh, you know, uh, about a three mile walk um, mm-hmm. in celebration and honor of those women and children. Yep. And I think we're raising money for two or three wells. Wow. So just for you coming out walking, I mean, you are making an impact. You are literally, tra- you know, saving lives and transforming mm-hmm. a village. So we would love all of our listeners to come out and, and join us. Um, and we've got lots of programs um, on our on our website for you to um, get involved. If you'd like to sponsor a child, uh, mm-hmm. we've got lots of kids available um, mm. for sponsorship that you can help send to school and, and get their uniforms and medical care and food. And awesome. these kids just need, you know, just the love and care of a sponsor. Um, and so we l- love for you to um, uh, do that as well. Mm-hmm. And and for our um, adventurous group, I would love for you guys to join us on a mission team. We've got about um, 12 international mission trips throughout the year. Yeah. Um, you guys can email our teams department, teams at h4ki.org, mm-hmm. um, or find our, our available uh, trip dates um, online. And I, I mean, it will ruin you in the best way possible. And we will um, talk you through, answer any questions that you may have. But I'm telling you, um, it's going to be the best. Well, thank you, Angie. And again, I have no doubt that anyone who signs up or who's going to be a part of this will definitely be changed for the rest of our lives. And so before we go, ladies and gentlemen, we do have our end piece. You can hear every episode of our podcast at FindingArizonaPodcast.com. We make it easy for you guys to connect with us through social media. That's Finding Arizona Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Last but not least, if you want to go become a super fan, there's bonus content available at Patreon.com slash FindingArizonaPodcast podcast and last but not least they are hiding over here sleeping on the floor but we always say at the end of every episode kisses hugs and belly rubs to our four-legged friends and we will see you all on the next episode goodbye